Welcome to the Reminger Report podcast on emerging technologies. Reminger Co. LPA is a full-service law firm with over 150 lawyers spread across 14 offices and serving states throughout the Midwest. My name is Zach Pyers, and I'm a partner in Reminger's Columbus, Ohio office. And I'm Kenton Steele, an associate in Reminger's Columbus office. This podcast on emerging technologies will examine how changes in technology and business models affect our daily lives and how the law is adapting to respond to these changes. Welcome to another edition of the Reminger Report podcast on emerging technologies. I am excited today to be presenting to you one of my colleagues um, out of a different office. I'm in Columbus, but uh, Zach Durant, who is with us, he's in our Cleveland, Ohio office. Zach, I appreciate you taking the time to to meet with us today and to talk to us a little bit about uh, what you do and kind of some of the developments in the financial sector um, that we'll be talking about today. If you could, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice area? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Zach. And uh, yeah, I, I work out of Cleveland, uh, Reminger's Cleveland office. Um, my practice primarily focuses on professional liability. Uh, including financial services, professional liability, securities litigation and arbitration, uh, business and commercial litigation, and then also a broker-dealer and investment advisor, compliance uh, and enforcement defense. Now, one of the things I want to make sure that our audience knows before we go any further, that Zach and I did not plan our wardrobes today to match like this, but apparently today... This is the Reminger um, uh, uniform, is the navy blue jacket and white shirt. Uh, we were even joking beforehand that we both are have uh, black coffee mugs. Uh, despite the fact that we're in different offices, apparently this is um, the, the mandatory uh, look for today. So um, I know that you recently did a, a written Reminger report on the company called FTX. Now, I know that it's hard. It's been hard to flip through or scroll through your news feed within the last several months and not see a headline involving FTX. Can you tell us a little bit about what FTX is? Yeah, sure. So it's definitely been a huge story and and one that I I, I think a lot of people know a little bit of something about, but maybe don't get the full picture of what's going on. So. Uh, FTX was one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges, which means that folks could go on there uh, virtually and and buy and sell cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Dogecoin or even FTX's own token called FTT. Um, FTX was founded fairly recently in 2019 by by Sam Bankman-Fried. Uh, who ran the company as its CEO. It had a pretty meteoric rise where it was attracting all these big name investors and and getting a lot of attention initially um, and became a very popular crypto exchange. Now, are there other companies that are that are related to FTX? Um either in in as an exchange or maybe as kind of like a ancillary business? Sure. So the the big one is is Alameda Research. Um, Alameda was founded was also founded by Sam Bankman Fried a few years before FTX, and Alameda was a crypto trading firm or hedge fund 
that um, Bankman-Fried also ran as CEO. And it would later play a significant role in the downfall of FTX, which I'm sure we'll get into. Well, so as we're talking about, you know, and as you've kind of led us in that direction, tell us why has FTX been in the news and, and what are we kind of seeing as a result of, you know, of that? What happened to FTX? Yeah, so uh, as a lot of listeners will probably remember, in, in around November, early November 2022, there started to be a lot of news reports coming out about this FTX and Sam, Sam Bankman-Fried, or as, as some refer to him, SBF, which gets a little confusing with FTX. But um, there were news reports that it was diverting funds investor funds that FTX had uh, collected and diverting them to Alameda Research. There were stories about Bankman-Fried uh, taking loans from Alameda, the money that was transferred from uh, from FTX and using it for personal investments, using it to purchase real estate in the Bahamas, throw extravagant parties, uh, purchase real estate for friends and family, including other executives. So there were a lot of questions about, well, what's going on with this company? Then further news snowballs where uh, there are reports that, well, Alameda's uh, balance sheet and, and financials are looking weird, where there's a bunch of FTT tokens making up its balance sheet, which again are the tokens issued by FTX. So there was a lot of questions about this company and it just kept snowballing and snowballing. I felt like every other day there were new reports out there and and Bankman Freed was very visible and going on like Twitter live streams and talking to people about it, but it, it gave it giving very wishy-washy answers about uh, these questions that were being raised. So it all, it all came to a head very quickly and he ended up uh, resigning as CEO pretty soon thereafter of FTX and FTX then filed bankrupt for bankruptcy. So as you can imagine, the while all this is going on, not just the public, but the Justice Department and the SEC are paying attention as well. And they're seeing all these reports and probably have been doing investigating of their own even before the, the media got their hands on it. So um, <clears throat> in December, so again, only about a month and a half after this stuff starts to come out, uh, Bankman-Fried is arrested in the Bahamas at the request of the U.S. government, and about a day after, the SEC filed a civil lawsuit uh, seeking an injunction in federal court against him um, for his conduct in running FTX and Alameda. So that's a lot to kind of digest. Um, you know, one of the things that I think was is interesting about this and you kind of alluded to this, is kind of how quickly some of this stuff unfolded. Um, which, I mean, I've watched these stories kind of play out before with other businesses. And usually it seems to me, at least, that you, instead of having this kind of almost daily barrage of, of problems that were being leaked or, or, or put forth in the media, you hear like one issue and then there may be quiet. I mean, there may be, you may still have here reporting on that one issue, but this was like a series, of, at least to me, it appeared to be a series of issues. And, and, and the speed at which there was the SEC and the Justice Department 
kind of sought those remedies, um, you know, the arrest um, was, you know, I'm not a criminal defense lawyer by any stretch, especially not a, a white collar criminal defense lawyer, but it seemed very quick for me, it, to me, it seemed very quick for them to be um, acting where, you know, sometimes it takes them a year or so to build a case. Here you're talking in the span of, you know, a month or two, they're building a case and they're seeking the, the arrest of, of SBF. Can you, so we know right now that, you know, there was an arrest warrant for SBF and um, you mentioned the FTX was in bankruptcy. What are kind of some of the legal implications of the bankruptcy and the criminal proceedings and, and the other proceedings that, you know, the civil suit that the SEC is, what are some of these legal implications that these entities and individuals face? Yeah, so there's a lot going on. I mean, with the bankruptcy, I know that they're, they're I believe a trustee has been assigned, so they're working on trying to recoup certain things in that regard. But there's also, like we talked about, then the criminal charges against SBF, and there are um, eight charges total, and they include wire fraud uh, as to customers, wire fraud as to lenders, conspiracy, including conspiracy to commit securities fraud and, and commodities fraud and, and to defraud the United States and violate campaign finance laws. And so it's a pretty big laundry list of charges that he's facing personally. And he's since been extradited to the United States uh, and and will eventually stand trial or, you know, cut a deal with prosecutors. Um, but in addition, as I mentioned before, there, there have been these civil charges brought by the SEC um, against Sam Bankman-Fried. And the SEC is alleging that um, $1.8 billion were raised by FTX and he misled those investors who invested that amount of money um, while also defrauding customers of the exchange. And the, the SEC alleges that Bankman-Fried um, hid from his investors that customer funds and investor funds were being diverted to Alameda, uh, like I said, used use for his personal investments and real estate purchases and, and campaign donations. And so the problem is, is that he's taking money from investors and not telling them what it's going to be used for. And, and, um, which is a, which is a big no-no in the financial world. Um, the SEC is seeking civil fines from him, disgorgement of all of the illegally earned profits, and a bar from serving as a an officer or director of a public company. Um, and it's it's a unique procedure because the SEC is basically citing their jurisdiction. Uh, conferred on them in the Securities Act and Exchange Act, which allowed them to, if they if they think that an individual has been or is going to commit acts that are violations of those statutes, they can file with a federal court to to enjoin those individuals or entities from committing those actions. So there's quite a lot going on in terms of uh, the legal ramifications from all of this. I know that, I mean, from the bankruptcy standpoint, you you talked about, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to recover, right? I, at least my understanding, because I'm not a bankruptcy lawyer, like, just like I'm not a criminal defense lawyer. Um, but in the bankruptcy proceeding, the trustees are trying, or the trustee is trying to recover the funds 
that could be available to pay back the creditors. Is that is that fair? So people who would have invested or people who FTX may have owed money to? Yeah, I, I, that's my understanding too. Like you, I'm not a bankruptcy lawyer or a criminal lawyer, um, but just from from past examples of these fraud situations where you know a trustee or, or someone's appointed to try to wrangle all of these funds to to get as much as they can back to investors. Um, I, I remember the the Bernie Madoff fallout taking quite a long time for them to do that. So, you know, we might be looking at years where they're still trying to to gather up a lot of these losses. Now, you know, I, I have seen, because um, it's one of the things, one of the many emerging technologies that I follow is the the impacts, whether they're, whether they're real or perceived, that the collapse of FTX may have on the cryptocurrency and the crypto industry in, in kind of in a wider spread fashion. Do you have any kind of insight um, as to what impact FTX's downfall may have on the crypto industry? Yeah, so I think one of the big ones that we're looking at and you know keeping our eyes open for is is increased regulation over the 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 cyber uh, excuse me the crypto industry. There's been a lot of uh, well, I should say there's been a, a an opinion that the cryptocurrency industry is not as w widely regulated as traditional securities, other investments, things like that. And it, it, it makes sense because it's an emerging technology, like you said, and it's it's a new thing that, you know, when these when, when these statutes, a lot of them and, and regulations were written, just didn't exist. Uh, so so I think it's for some people, it's confirmed their concern over the lack of regulation. I think, um, you know, there's even been confusion amongst regulators as to things like whether or not a crypto coin is a security and therefore under the SEC's jurisdiction. Um, in more recent times, the SEC chair, uh, Gary Gensler, said that this these tokens and coins are securities and that he's directing the SEC staff to uh, go directly to the issuers and the exchanges for these cryptocurrencies and to try to get them to come into compliance with, with applicable laws and regulations more appropriate as securities. So, you know, th this could certainly be a springboard for regulators like the SEC to get their hands around cryptocurrency um, and to get more involved in, in regulating it and and uh, ensuring that it's safe for investors. You know, that's one of the things that I, I mean, that I've, I, I've watched, you know, well-respected and well-known individuals in the uh, in the investment markets talk about cryptocurrency bitcoin dogecoin ethereum you know you name it ripple and i've seen i've seen now where people have you know have discounted it or who have you know come out and said this is a fraud and then some of those people have flipped and said, well, you know, maybe there is some legitimate use for some of this as an investment. And then they, after the FTX, they said, this is only confirming what I originally thought the whole thing's a scam. What I wonder, though, you know, is whether or not the increased regulation and, and essentially if the SEC is going as far as to say this is a security, 
then all of a sudden, the increased regulation over the industry may actually add some legitimacy to the industry. Because it's almost as if the SEC is saying, yes, we do recognize this. I mean, even if there is a speculative nature or even if there is a component of this that is um, you know, difficult to understand the intrinsic you know, value of these coins, the fact that somebody else is recognizing these as a security then lends itself, gives it some credence almost. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely some truth to that. That could well be how it plays out. And, you know, a lot of this is on the heels of of we've seen more uh, traditional institutions embrace cryptocurrency. Um, I had a rummage report a few years ago where the, the traditional banks are starting to um, recognize cryptocurrencies as a, as a form of currency and, and, and things like this. So and you're seeing a lot of people, like you said, you know, who confirming their belief that it, it is unstable and, and not a good investment. But, you know, there's people on the other side that say, look, this was a this was a fraudster, one off fraudster who who did bad things. And it doesn't reflect the the um, the currency as a whole. So you, you do hear both sides of that. And I guess time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. Now, from an from a consumer standpoint, you know, somebody who may be looking into investing um, or who, you know, is already invested, is, is there anything important you think that as consumers we should be taking away from the FTX situation, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I mean, and consumers may be affected by this if they're already holding cryptocurrencies. They may have seen a decline in the in the value of their crypto assets as a result of this. They might see it from increased regulation. We don't know. Time will tell. Uh, but but I think it highlights the importance of 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 knowing whether your investments are made with folks who are um, in compliance with with the applicable laws and regulations. And it also shows the crypto issuers and the crypto exchanges that it's probably a good idea to get under compliance if you're not already uh, with regard to the cryptocurrency stuff. So, um, yeah, I think I, I, and I think this will present even more learning lesson, uh, lessons learned over the time that these cases play out. And uh, it's definitely uh, been an interesting story for sure. Well, Zach, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today and to come on. You know, I was thinking as we were talking about this, as you were talking about how this is going to play out in the next, I don't know, six months or so, we may have you back on to discuss how this has played out. Um, I don't know that, you know, all of the proceedings will be wrapped up by then, but certainly um, it will be interesting to see, like you said, kind of the, the bookends to this and see kind of how this this ends. So. I'd love to, and I appreciate you having me on. And anybody out there who has any questions on on this stuff, cryptocurrency regulations like this, uh, can contact Rummager's professional uh, financial services professional liability group. I appreciate that, Zach. Thanks again for joining us today, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks, Zach.